Tenekoto, Nomai, Hairamai. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining me today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Hi everyone, welcome back. Some months ago, I bit the bullet and joined TikTok to help promote my podcast. And I have to say that for me, this has been the best social media platform in terms of reaching potential listeners with my episode promotions. My kids think it's hilarious that someone my age is on TikTok and moreover enjoying it. My son in particular because he teaches high school here in New Zealand and all the kids in his classes use that app. I really enjoy TikTok so if you use that app and don't follow me there then look for walking underscored the underscored shadowlands and like and follow if you came from TikTok because you started following me there, a special welcome to you and all my new listeners. So during my time on TikTok, this woman by the name of Witch Mama came across my For You page, which is like the main feed you see when you scroll. She was sharing one-minute snippets of experiences she had as an Appalachian witch. She immediately caught my attention for several reasons. One, that the stories were absolutely interesting and two because she identifies as Appalachian. Now for many years I've heard stories about people who live in the Appalachian Mountains in the USA. When I lived in the States for a number of years I heard more about them and their ways. Mostly though what I was told seemed to be particularly negative. However I did some research for myself not relying on hearsay because I've been fascinated by their lifestyle for many years, intrigued with their history and how they live today. I recognise that any documentary I've ever seen about this region mostly has dealt on the poverty that many in the mountains live in, and of course, along with extreme poverty, all the things that go together with that in terms of negativity. What they don't generally show, at least the ones I've seen, is the sense of community, families that work together and love each other. Also, something that I have not seen in the documentaries that I've seen so far is the history of the Granny Witch or the local healers. This is an area of particular interest to me, especially since I worked in healing for most of my working life as a nurse in our public hospital systems here in New Zealand. I'm also extremely interested in what traditions and beliefs they hold, also the law and spiritual beliefs of Appalachian people in general. 
I love learning about new cultures. It intrigues me immensely. So, I was really pleased to come across Witch Mama. I read most of her posts and decided that I would really love to talk with her and get some first-hand knowledge of someone from the region. I felt also that she would be really interesting for you all as well, especially some of her family experiences. I asked which mama if she wanted me to use her name or just the handle she goes by, so which mama she is. Therefore, the question as always is, are you willing to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then let's begin. For talking to me I, I, I've really been looking forward to having our conversation I'm really interested in hearing your views and hearing about your background and I've never actually on my show had or had a uh, do you call yourself Wiccan or just a witch or do you have any I am not a Wiccan any longer I do still subscribe to some of their practices but no I'm just a witch just a witch yeah Cool. There's a big difference, isn't there? Wiccan's really following a religion, whereas being a witch is the practice of, in my Correct. opinion. I've never had a practicing witch on my show, so I think this will be really, really interesting for my listeners because my podcast is all about, you know, the paranormal, the unexplained mysteries, and the practice of witchcraft is all about nature and energies and tapping into energies and intent. It's all about It is. It is. Um, most of the time, now, witchcraft is a very broad term. It does encompass several different practices. Right. So some of it is nature-based. Some of it can be fae-based. Some of it can be deity-based. It's really just a having to do with the practitioner. Right. And there's no right or wrong way to practice, is there? Absolutely not. Mm. I see in a lot of groups that, particularly with the young people who are just finding this path, that they can be quite militant. You have to do things like this. You have to do things like that. And that's not what it's about. In my opinion, that's really not what it's about. I've been practicing for 30 years and some of the new terms that have seen on TikTok, they are completely out of the park for me. They're just not something I'm used to at all. 
my listeners, I came across Witch Mama on TikTok sharing some experiences that her family had. And I felt that she would be a really interesting guest for you to listen to. One, because I think there's so many misconceptions around witchcraft out there. And I know that this will polarize so many people. That's not my intent. My intent is education. And it's really important for us, I feel, to be able to look at different things and see the truth about them, not what we're feared by sources who have vested interests. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I'm here to answer any questions I know the answer to. Yeah, perfect. So perhaps we could start, maybe, which, Mama, you could give us a little bit of your family background, where you come from. Am I correct in saying that you have Appalachian roots? Yes. My family comes from... Um, Eastern Kentucky. We come from Harrison County, Fayette County, Mount Sterling, um, really the foothills of the mountains. Um, but we were still, we still subscribe to their way of life. So country, right. country more than mountain, but still Appalachian roots. Can for for people like me who are not from the states, because I'm New Zealand based, can you explain a little bit about Appalachian culture? Sure, absolutely. Because I understand it's quite different. It is. Um, well, Appalachia, the area runs from. Um, I'm not very good with my geography. It's just a little bit above Kentucky, but it runs clear down to Georgia. So it's a really large mountain range and it's on the eastern part of the United States and it runs through several states. Um, We're the second largest range in the United States, the uh, Rocky Mountains being the largest. And most of Appalachia and all of the hills were populated by Irish, Scottish, uh, a little bit of German, you know, different people from different parts of the world. But the Appalachians were friendlier with the native indigenous people that lived here and they learned their ways instead of fighting with them so we were accepted onto the mountains and we were allowed to live amongst the natives that lived here that's very cool i do know that the way that people speak in the appalachians and the way we speak in new zealand have a lot of commonalities like for example we say reckon (laughs) yes that's a very, very common thing we say here in New Zealand, I reckon. And I didn't realize that it was a, a thing over there until I was saying it when I lived in the States. People were saying to me, what are you using? Have, you been, you, know, at- Have you been associated with some country folks? Yeah. yeah. You, you spent some time down south. Yeah, that's so funny, isn't it? Yeah. It's so funny. So now I understand that... The people who live in the Appalachians have specific traditions and yes. law, and their form of witchcraft is quite specific. Perhaps, perhaps in, instead of thinking it in terms of witchcraft, we could say, "What's the, what's another way we could put it?" Traditional ways of thinking, feeling, omens, and stuff like that. We we have traditional practices that we that we follow um now i'm not a proponent to say that i am 
um, an expert in Appalachian magic or folklore or anything of that nature. I just know what I've learned and what I've been taught. But to us, it's not really being taught magic. It's more just the way things are. You know, it's okay. just our yeah. normal yeah. everyday. Yes. So absolutely. Sorry, I, I should I should have said that because it's not it's not a stand aside. It's just part yeah. and parcel of your day to day life. Right. Right. Um, we follow we follow the seasons because when it comes to Appalachia, most of the time it's poverty stricken because up in the mountains you don't have a lot of um, land in which to grow things, so you're not really a farmer. Um, most of the time, the only job that you can find in this area is going to be coal mining or something along those lines because they dig into the mountain to find the coal. And so the people that lived right. around the mountain ended up being coal miners. So it's a really, really hard life. And being that we chose to live there and chose that hardship, it, it put us apart from city folk and mm. caused the community to be stronger. There are certain things that happen in Appalachian areas that never would happen in, you know, regular civilized society. <laughs> um, right. It's it's not that they're so much different than everyone else. It's just that their community is a lot tighter. Right. Absolutely. And, and they've had to be over the time that they've been in the States because it was a matter of survival, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so they eked out what income they could with whatever jobs were available. Um, some of them would actually go into uh, farming areas to work to do tobacco or whatever happened to be the job at the time and then bring that back to the, back home. Um, like I said, a lot of them were coal miners. So mm. being that we were up on the mountain, what area that we did have in which to farm, we learned how to can and we learned how to preserve and we learned how to live off the land and give thanks to the mountain because if it wasn't for the mountain, we would have no life at all. So that's the way that we see right. the mountains and their part in our lives. So would it be fair to say that you guys live in close harmony with nature? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We know that oh, it, we know that everything goes in cycle. The seasons go in cycle. Right. The nature goes in cycle. And we have learned to fit into that cycle. And with right. that, we prosper where most others would fail. Right. Right. That's really interesting. And do your, because you guys live so closely with nature, do you have more to do with the fae? than the average people would? Well, it really depends on where your people come from. If you are right. of Irish, Scottish heritage and your family was of Scott, Irish and Scottish heritage, there is a good chance that you might have been told, you know, watch where you throw your wash water or don't step in a fairy ring or watch for pools on stumps, that type of thing. But if you weren't, if you had more Germanic um, roots or you actually were part of some of the indigenous tribes that lived here because the white, the white folk and the indigenous folk did get together quite a bit. So there's a lot of um, mixed breed running around, right. you know, in the area, but it depends really where you came from as to what your stories are, because in mine, oh I had 
a lot, I had a little bit, just a little bit of indigenous blood, but most of mine was Irish and Scottish. Mm-hmm. So yes, I did get told to watch where I threw my wash water and that type of thing. I did, I did get told to watch for the fae, but don't fear the fae. Um, live in harmony with all creatures. So that included the fae. I don't personally right. work with the fae, but right. I do know of the fae. Right, of course. So could you explain, you mentioned about a little bit about being careful where you threw the wash water and looking for puddles on stumps, is it? Yes. <laughs> Can you explain about okay. that? Okay, puddles on stumps. That is water that has never touched the ground. So that is what the indigenous tribes called air water. Okay. It's, it never touched the ground. Yes, it was on a stump, but it never actually touched the ground. So this water is magical in itself because it's rain that has fallen. That's never touched the ground (laughs) and that makes it special somehow. And it's been used for uh, cleaning the skin of acne boils, things like that. Poison Ivy. Um, They also use it for making poultices, um, for burns, uh, they've used it for fertilization, uh, for drinks. You make it make a, a potion together, I guess, and put it in a drink, and it's supposed to help with fertile with uh, fertility. That's where I was going. I knew I was going to get to the word. Right. Um, but <laughs> several different things that it can be used for. But yes, we find it in stumps. It's the water that settles on stumps. But it's called air. It, the indigenous call it air water. That's a really pretty cool <laughs> name for it. I quite like. I quite like that. How about so? Why do you have to look where you throw your wash water? Because you could throw it onto a fade. Since they like to go uh-huh. out and be in incognito, right? I'll tell you this: magic is in my everyday life so much that when I see leaves swirling, uh, whirly dervish, what they what they call mm. it, a uh, dirt devil. I know that that's a simply a wind spirit having a little bit of a time going down the street. I know that that is fate just by being around oh, it. That's really interesting. <laughs> and now every time you see whirling leaves, you're going to think that's fate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I have to say that's not something that I've seen in New Zealand that I can recall. Around oh, here, we, we see that type of thing. But it, I mean, it's not that you actually see a little critter. No, you no, just you see just the see wind, the but you know, right. I know that that's Faye. I know that that's Faye playing. Right. That's really, really interesting. So tell me, uh, is it your granny the one that you got most of your stories and experiences from? Actually, no. My grandmother was the one who taught me um, the old ways. She taught me canning. Right. She taught me baking. She taught me sewing and quilting and things like that. But she was the Christian, very strong uh, um, Pentecostal Christian. Pentecostals are the ones that are holiness. They speak in tongues. They run around churches. Right. They're very charismatic with their religion. Um, it was right. actually my grandfather's side that I got my spirituality from. My mother right. read cards. My grandfather was clairvoyant. Uh, his grandmother was uh family witch 
So that's where I got the spiritual side, where I got my Christianity and my my morals from my grandmother's side. Right. So that's quite a nice combination, actually, isn't it? Yes. So you've got a balanced, a balanced upbringing, so to speak. <laughs> at least you could look at both sides. At least I can look at both sides, which actually gives me yeah. an advantage when I'm speaking to people who don't understand witchcraft and don't understand ways other than their own. I say, hold on right. now. I used to be you. <laughs> I was a Bible right. thumper at five years old. I could say all 66 books of the Bible. You know, I went to Bible camp. I did the whole thing. I've read the Bible itself several times. So I know what I'm speaking about. You have to understand that the best spell book that was ever written actually was the Bible. But that's a controversial subject in a lot of which communities. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. And there's a lot of, yeah, it is quite controversial. So tell me about some of your family experiences that, that you've had, some of the ones that you've perhaps shared on TikTok. Okay, well, um, being that all of our communities are all so close-knit, we have a lot of time to sit around and share stories. And in my right. family, sharing stories was a way to entertain kids when there was no other entertainment. Um, if you were all locked in together and you had no other way of killing time, everyone would sit around and tell stories. So I started telling stories on TikTok about spooky things that had happened in my family. Um, being that my mother read cards, at one time she was approached by what I would consider a recruiter for the dark side. <laughs> um, Interesting. Our, our belief system, being that we do come from Christianity as well, we do believe in good and evil. We do believe in mm -hmm. um, the final battle, you know, the Armageddon that's going to happen. So in that, they're going to need to be souls to fight this battle. So there are good and evil recruiting regular souls to be in this battle. We do believe that my mother was approached by one of these because she had an incident. I'll tell the story. She had an incident where this woman came to the house, very dark, olive-skinned woman, long, dark hair, beautiful. And she said she wanted her cards read. Mom said, that's fine. She said, I'd like them read by candlelight. Mom said, I can do that too. So she gets everything set up and she asked the lady, she says, is there anything you'd like to know? The woman said, well, I'll tell you what, if you can tell me my future, I'll give you the world. Mom kind of scoffed a little and she said, okay. So she went to laying her cards out. Now, the way that my mother gets her reading is that she hears a story as she looks at the symbols and it tells her what it's trying to say. So she can hear a little story when she reads it out. And the only thing that she said she heard when she saw this lay, and it laid ace to two in spades, she reads regular playing cards. And right. she heard, stop the card reading, you're reading for a demon. And it shocked my, my mom. So she scooped her cards up and she laid them down. She said, I have nothing to say to you. And the woman just kind of smiled at her. And she said, we almost had you. And she got up and she left. There was nothing else said. Mom didn't say anything else to her. She got up and she left. We never heard from her again. We don't know who sent her to the house. Nothing. And she said, I'm sure. But when I came into the house from outside and she told all this to me, she was crying and she was praying. So it scared her pretty good. Yeah. I've got goosebumps. 
it was that story that caught my attention when you came up on my feed. And I thought, wow, that's a really interesting story. Really, really interesting. Did you, when you walked in, after when your mum was upset, did you feel, what were the energies like in, in the room? It's good that you point that out. One of the abilities that I have always been blessed with is that I have the sense that I can sense specifically in mm-hmm. homes and buildings. I have a clear sense. And when I came into mom's, you know, space after coming in, I was shocked. I said, what's going on? I immediately thought someone had passed away. That's how, how heavy the energy in the room was. And she said, it's okay. I just need to tell you what's happened. And my mother has always spoken to me as an adult since I was really, really small. She never, ever kept anything. There was never, uh, she shouldn't know that she's too young. That was never a thing between me and my mother. So she just spilled it. She said, this lady came in here and this is what she did. This is what I heard. This, I mean, she's laid it out. And I'm like, do we need to pray? Do you want me to call granny? And she's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. We we're, we're going to be fine. And it took probably, probably three days, probably three days to get past the scared every, you know, every knock at the door, every time the phone rang, that type right. of thing. Right. I had a few days to get over it. But my mother's a very strong woman. And the one thing that she always did for us is any type of little ritual she had, she would use. She used to take, and I use this on my own children, she would take and blow the bad dreams out of our ears. That was a ritual. Oh. I passed that on to my children, and I would also do the sign of the cross on their foreheads and say the Lord, or say the, um, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost in Latin, and that always made them fine. They felt they were protected. And for them, that was their protection rituals. My mother was the same way. Right. She, did, she did that to us. So once that happened, right. we were all okay. I didn't, the, the boys, my younger brothers were never involved in any of this. They never knew anything about it. But that comes from being the oldest child and the girl. Right. You know, I'm the right. one that's going to be able to learn these types of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And did did you, after it, did you, mum, do a house cleansing? Yes. Like an energetic cleanse of the house? Oh, right. absolutely. My mother and in our practices, Appalachian magic and folklore is, it's not really hoodoo, it's conjure, but it it's using what you have on hand. Uh, it's a right. form of kitchen witchcraft. It's whatever you have, salt, pepper, uh, garlic, sage, um, a great big pot for a cauldron, that type thing. I mean, it's everything that you have Mm -hmm. on hand. Um, Mm -hmm. There was some use of bones, some use of stones, uh, lots of different herbs. But when it came to my mother's specific cleansing, she liked to put together uh, vinegar, salt, and water. She would always say the 23rd Psalm over it. And then she would spritz in all of the corners of the house because the devil can't hide in the corner. Right. <laughs> right. And I know saying this to someone that doesn't have it as a regular practice, I know that it sounds strange to you and it sounds crazy coming from me. But I mean, it, it was just normal practice in my world. 
Not not at all, not at all. Um, I run a Facebook group, the same name as the podcast, Walking the Shadowlands, and actually the podcast started from my Facebook group. And I always, I created documents for my members, teaching them stuff like this, how to cleanse energies. Now, in New Zealand, we tend to use salt and water a lot, but I've never heard vinegar being added. That's really interesting. It makes it sour. <laughs> and a demon can't stand a sour right 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 the same as the salt uh oh that's really interesting but of course actually it's the intent behind it that does the trick the rest is just ritual that focuses your intent like a like the pen in a laser beam the pen is just the tool that focuses the laser and so the ritual is what focuses your intent for listeners who may not understand what it's about there there is a lot of intention behind the majority of my craft um, right. My mother, my grandfather, my grandfather, as I said before, was clairvoyant and he never, ever spoke of anything that was uh, what you would consider witchcraft related or occult related. Um, it was everything right. was a gift from God. And that's how he saw it. Mm. He saw his clairvoyance mm. as a gift from God, as did my mother. Mm. But she said that it doesn't mean that it's wrong if you're practicing and using a gift that was given to you. It's not wrong and it's not wrong in the eyes of God. So that's how she mm. rationalized being able to use her craft. Now, right. my beliefs have expanded from that. I think more of a over the world atheistic view. I believe that all gods were human concepts at one point. There is no physical proof of any actual God ever being on the planet, okay, or being in the sky for that matter. So every God is a human concept, and it doesn't matter what you call your spiritual God. It's just where you grew up that determines who right. your spiritual God is. So with mom, it was always God's gift. With Papa, it was God's gift. Granny said, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> that was her side. But right. I was taught to believe what I would like to believe and take with me what feels right in my heart. And my mm. mother didn't push church and Christianity, but my grandmother did. So mm. being that I got both sides and the freedom at mom's to choose and look for and ask questions, that's what I got there. And at granny's, it was you do what the book tells you to do. And that's just how it is. <laughs> right. I've always taught my children pretty much the same thing, that they're free to choose their own path. And it's not my role to tell them that they have to believe this or they have to believe that everybody has to find their own way Absolutely. and and there's no right or wrong way there's many paths up the mountain oh absolutely i don't believe that there is any one end all be all in any religion mm. in any religion mm. and especially in witchcraft in in witchcraft, there are so many different paths because there are so many different types of witches. Myself, I'm an right. eclectic. And an eclectic means that I draw from several different paths and anything that resonates with me, I keep. 
and everything else I leave behind. Mm-hmm. So that's why I know so much about so many different areas because I have picked and choose chosen out of those different areas. Now, there mm-hmm. are some that are just as devout and just as zealot in their practice as any Christian, any Catholic, any Jew. I mean, they're just as zealot in their practice and this is how it is. No, right. I'm all right. You can have those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. Absolutely. And it's in that instance, it simply becomes another religion, doesn't it? It does. It does. More than a practice. And and witchcraft is about the, the craft. It's a craft. It's a learning. It's a tool. It's not a, meant to be a religion, never meant to be a religion. Exactly. And... And from my understanding, witchcraft dates back from Lemurian times. That's when it was first started, the Lemurians. And a lot of people don't believe or have never heard of the Lemurian culture, which was the culture that existed before Atlantis. And a lot of people don't believe Atlantis existed either. But the Lemurians were a nature-based culture and they lived in close harmony with nature very much like Wiccans do those who practice witchcraft do and pagans the the belief in Atlantis okay the ocean is extremely large we have not even scratched the surface as to what the ocean Mm -hmm. holds so until you show me otherwise mermaids exist Atlantis existed yes I'm sorry going on record right now sorry um, because there is no way for you to tell me otherwise. There's no way for you to get down right. there. So don't don't try me. Um, but anything that is, I'm not sure if you saw my video about primitive man. Back when no, I haven't seen that. One. Back when primitive man came about, he couldn't understand the forces that were going on around him, the wind and the rain and the sun and hurricanes and things like that. He didn't understand storms. So he thought there has to be some otherworldly superhuman that is governing these forces. And that is how our connection with nature began. We were looking for what was causing this to happen. And Mm -hmm. since we couldn't find our primitive mind, couldn't wrap around what was causing it, we didn't know science, we took it to a spiritual level. And that's just how religion, most religions started. And our connection with nature has been ongoing from the time that we crawled out of the little primordial ooze. We have been linked, but we have lost that. Technology has killed a lot of our our nature um, interaction. I see it so much. I see it so much, even Mm. just the generations that we have now. My generation Mm. played outside. You couldn't pay these children to go outside. You couldn't pay them. (laughs) I mean, no, no. We've definitely lost touch with with nature and the, the last generations that have come up. My children, your children probably are the last generation that did spend time outside. Didn't spend very much time outside. And strangely enough, I am just as guilty as the ones that I say, you're not letting your kids go outside or you're not making your kids go outside. I'm just as guilty. I didn't make mine go outside. Right. I think that my generation dropped the ball. 
That's all that it is. My generation got it off the wall. But there's a few things behind that. I know, like, in the States, there's safety issues. It's not so much here in New Zealand. We're, we're a reasonably safe country compared to you, yours. But, like, in the States, if I had children and I lived in the States, I wouldn't be letting them go outside and play unless I was there to watch them. That is true. The, the, the state of the United States right now is, is crazy. It's crazy. When my girls were growing up, now my girls are 21, so we'll say 16 years ago, okay, when they were young, I had to know where they were. If they were going to a friend's house, they had to call me when they got to the friend's house. It couldn't be that far. It literally had to be within walking distance that I could see them go to the house. If it was another street, I'm taking you. You're not walking. Right. Or they're coming to get you. You're not walking. And we lived in a fairly safe neighborhood. You know, mm. it, it still, no. Yeah. And it saddened me because I ran those same streets that I raised my children on. And it was not even a thought when I was their age mm. to walk mm. at night from three, four streets over to a friend's house. Mm. Not a thought in the world. My girls, no, absolutely not. Couldn't trust it. Yeah. It was scary. Yeah. Trust yeah. It. yeah. Very scary. And I think that's part of the reason why the, the generations have changed. And also the technology, of course, kids are pretty much on their cell phones and their games and their TikTok. Absolutely. <laughs> my kids think it's a real dig that I'm on TikTok at my age. Oh, I've gotten so many Mom, what are you doing? Are you trying to embarrass me all the time? I'm like, why? She said, please just don't make thirst traps. I'm like, I'm old, honey. I'm not dead. Okay. I'm not dead. She's like, just don't do those. Can't you just talk about witchcraft? Yes, I can. She's like, please just do that. Okay. So funny. I'll be old Mar Hubbard. Okay, back to your stories. Share some more stories about some of the stories that you shared on TikTok. They're really cool. Well, let's see. Um, my grandfather had Claire, Claire of Wands, like I said. And one time he, this is from my mother. Um, she said that one time they were traveling here in Lexington, where I live in Kentucky. And they were going to the store or something along those lines, but he told her to roll her window up and lock the door. And it was like 90 degrees outside. And she's like, daddy, why? He's like, just trust me. When we turn this corner down here, a man's going to jump on the back of this truck. She said, well, then let's just not go that way. He said, I have to turn the corner. I can't change fate. And she said, well, okay. And she rolls the window up and locks the door. And just as soon as they round that corner, a big man jumps on the back of their truck and rides for about four blocks and then just jumps off. And that my papa said, it's OK, you can roll your window back down and you can unlock your door. And he, she said, Daddy, if you knew he was going to be there, why did you turn that corner? And he said, Sissy, just because I can see it doesn't mean I have to change it. That's really interesting perspective. That's a very interesting perspective. So 
What about, I know that you have had a few paranormal experiences. Can we hear some of those? A couple. Um, Well, let's see. My grandfather and my grandmother lived in Carlisle, Kentucky, and I lived with them. I lived off and on with my grandmother and my grandfather and my mother throughout my childhood. So at about seven or eight years old, I was living with them in Kentucky, and we lived in a two-story farmhouse. Now, we didn't use the upstairs because it made everybody feel a little strange. You just got a bad feeling up there. So we just kept it as storage only. So all of the family was over for a birthday party, I believe it was. And since we didn't sleep upstairs, we were all sleeping on couches and in beds and whatnot throughout the house in the lower level. And my mother gets up in the middle of the night to find my grandfather sitting at the kitchen table. And she's like, Daddy, what are you doing? And he said, I'm listening to that man walk upstairs. She said, have you been drinking? He said, no, I'm listening to that man. I'm telling you, she said, you're crazy. He said, sit down and listen. So she sat down. She listened for a few minutes and she heard it. He was walking from the top of the stairs to the end of the house and then back to the top of the stairs and banging his feet. And she said, daddy, you need to ask that man if you can help him. He said, all right. So he stepped to the bottom of the stairs and he said, sir, I don't know if I can help you, but I'm willing to if I can. He walked from the top of those stairs over to a window and tapped on the window. Papa went upstairs the next day and opened that window. Well, a couple of weeks go by and he finds out from a little man down at the general store that a man had gotten trapped up there during a fire and had died. And my grandfather set his spirit free. Uh, uh. Why? I have to wonder, seeing as, you know, like everybody felt that the upstairs didn't feel right, why didn't your granddad investigate it before? He's a live, he was a live and let live kind of guy. Uh, gotcha. He was just gotcha. that kind. He was just that kind. His sister, his sister lived in a house one time that was a former orphanage. And sickness had come upon the orphanage and the children had all passed away. Um, When she moved in, she had no idea that this place was haunted. So she started to have encounters. She would feel something pulling on her apron while she was cooking or doing dishes. She would hear kids laughing and playing in the house. And it got to the point that she would trip over things that weren't in her hallway. There was nothing in her hallway and she would be tripping over things that were not there. And she got to the point Mm -hmm. that she started scolding them like they were her children. Y'all need to pick these toys up. And you would hear rustling of kids picking toys up. But luckily, she had that type of relationship because they saved her life. She got woken up in the middle of the night from screaming. She heard screaming. She got up, went through the house. Nothing was wrong. But she got this huge whiff of natural gas. And had she not woken up, she'd have died. Oh. So they were living that live kind of people. Goosebumps again. <laughs> wow. Very, very interesting. That's very interesting. So she had a really good relationship with the with the children's spirits that were still in the house. Absolutely. That's really cool. Now, can you please, uh, I've always found the Appalachian culture absolutely interesting. 
I wonder if you could share perhaps some of the traditions and oh, what's the word I had in my mind before? Yeah, I guess some of the traditions that 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 you guys do that are specific to your to your region, like you know, do you have traditions around hunting or traditions around food preparation? You know, like. Um, are there foods you won't pick at a certain time because it's bad energy or stuff like that? Um, Do you know what I mean? Appalachian law, I guess, is the word I'm saying. A lot of our planting and gardening we did by the Farmer's Almanac. And we right. always went by, when it came to planting something, we either went by frost or we went by moon. So there ah. were certain times of the month that you could, like just recently, I'll say just recently, I looked at the farmer's almanac out of habit to plant and put my herbs in my kitchen together. Um, I planted right. and put them in their pots on the 22nd because that was the day uh, in February that I was able to plant certain things and put them to seed. So some of those practices we still keep. Um, we tell the the weather uh, about when it comes to uh how we're, if we're going to have a hard winter or uh, early spring, that type of thing, we pay attention to the weather. We pay attention to um, a persimmon. There, a persimmon is a little fruit that we have that's mm. local here, and it grows on a tree. It kind of looks like a, a kumquat, little small thing. Right. And if you cut it open, the seed of it will have either a fork or a spoon shape on the inside and a fork means you'll have a harsh winter and a spoon means you'll have a soft winter so those are some things that we've learned like oh, i said over the years we don't plant um let's see we're getting ready to come up on cicadas do you know what those are do you have those in new zealand yes. okay yes. we're getting yes. ready to come up on our 17 year cycle for cicadas right. and they're right. getting ready to start popping out of the ground <laughs> So we know that it's time to watch what you put in a cicada area <laughs> because you're sure to get it eaten up. Um, right. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't really know any specifics. It doesn't come to mind as to what traditions that, that seem strange to other people. Uh, what about law? The, the law? Um, we follow, there are a lot of birds and superstitions that we have mm. lots and mm. lots of superstitions um brooms are a big deal in appalachian culture birds are a big deal in appalachian culture um if you see birds specifically dark boat birds um if you see them in twos or any even number that's good any odd number is bad um, one is a sign of death. Two is a sign of happiness and abundance. Uh, three, someone's talking about you. I mean, those types of things. Um, right. When it comes to brooms, uh, if you get swept across the feet, you're never going to get married. If you get hit with a broom, you're going to go to jail. Um, if you come into a new house, make sure that you have a new broom with you. You leave your old broom in the old house so that you leave your old worries and troubles behind behind right um, and do you also have if you turn the broom upside down you won't get visitors yes and if it falls over depending on if it falls 
um, with the bristles down or with the top down is whether or not you're going to have a male or a female visitor. Oh, we say that about dropping knives. Oh, yeah. See, I, I love to learn about other cultures. That's I think that's what the heart of my eclectic witchcraft is, is because I really like to learn about so many other yeah. things and not focus on just one. It's a little touch of ADHD, right. too. Um, yeah. Let's see. If you drop a dishcloth in the kitchen, a dish towel, you're going to have to cook more food because you have company coming. Um, ring around the moon is a sign that there's danger near or something. Someone's going to be sick soon. Um, salt is a big thing here, as I'm sure it is there. Uh, but we take salt on our window sills and at the um, thresholds of our doors. Um, we put bay leaves with intention, prosperity, happiness, and love underneath our doormats. In Ooh. my family, we do. It's not necessarily all Appalachia, but specifically my family. Right. Um, we right. have a lot of weird things, <laughs> lots of weird things. No, they're, re they're really interesting. Well, to me, I find it fascinating because a lot of these so-called superstitions started because of observations of people and and the, a lot of them uh yeah i don't know how to explain them but i i find them really interesting a lot of them have a basis in fact some don't of course some are more energetic but a lot of them have a basis in fact like the planting by the moon like the maori here in new zealand always planted by the moon they plant the kumara by the moon we um as far as some of our other superstitions they're just as different region to region of appalachia right. as they are across the united states because here it's good luck for us because we're in Kentucky. We use um, horseshoes over our doors. And the horseshoe right. always has to be facing up to hold your good luck. Up. Right, to hold your luck. Now, in yeah. southern Appalachia, some of them put corn cobs above their doors because it will catch the good luck as it comes through in each of the little holes. So it's, yeah. just, it's just as where you were raised. It's really about where right. you were raised. I was just going to say about the horseshoes here in New Zealand. Also, it's the same thing. Well, not so much my generation, but in my mother's generation, horseshoes were a big thing. And they had to be up. Otherwise, the luck would run out if they were upside down. Right. Now, the, the birds, we were not allowed to have birds as pets when we were children because birds would carry your secrets. They spoke to their brothers out the windows and they would carry your secrets down the street. Um, if you cleaned out your hairbrush, you had to make sure that you either burned it or put it in the toilet because the bird would carry it and give you a headache because they would use it for their nests and the working of your hair right. will give you a headache. Um, right, of course, your energy is attached. Flying into the house causes death to the family. It's a harbinger of death. We have that in New Zealand as well. Yeah. See, some of these things, mm. if you think about it, if so many different areas think and the same way, your people mm -hmm. of New Zealand had no contact with the people over here in Appalachia. But you guys right. still think the same way we do. Something right mm -hmm. there tells you might be right if two different cultures yeah. are thinking the same way. 
really interesting, isn't it? And in New Zealand, it's a specific bird called the piwakawaka or the fantail, which is a beautiful bird. It just kind of flits and hovers. And particularly Māori say that if the, if the piwakawaka comes into your home, then that's a sign that somebody's going to die. But if it comes in the same way and goes out the same way, it's uh, not. Interesting, isn't it? That's the same here. It has to go out the same way it came in. Yeah. And that's really hard <laughs> to catch birds and <laughs> take them back out the yeah, same yeah. door. Isn't that interesting? And here we are like on different sides of the hemisphere and we have the same traditions. Yeah. Mm. Like I said, if, if two separate cultures think the same way with having no contact with one another, regular contact with one another, to be able to say they grew up thinking the same way. They weren't neighbors. They were literally on other sides of the planet. But they thought the same way you thought. And Mm. there has to be some basis in that that is outside of the human thought. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. So one last subject, the subject of myths and monsters. Well, around here, there are stories of all kinds of critters that will get you. Okay. Mm. Now we think of. I think of, right off the top of my head, locally, there are paranormal spots that right. resonate right away to make, to for me to mention. There's a place local here in Fayette County called Eyeball Bridge. And it it is the place where this lady hung herself because her beau had cheated on her and left her at the altar. So she hung herself. And when she hung, her eyes came from her head with such force that they hit the bridge. Okay. And if you go to this bridge in the middle of the night, you will see eyes sitting on this bridge, staring at you. Okay. So The creepies and crawlies in our areas aren't necessarily cryptids so much as they are ghost stories. We have a a lot of covered bridges here. So we always think of spirits that live in the bridges. If you hear it creak as you go across it, that's a spirit calling to you and you're not supposed to answer. But all bridges over here creak, so it's kind of hard. (laughs) It's some things that aren't aren't necessarily founded. I can't think of any cryptids or, or any monsters that we that we fear. I, I keep getting in my mind that you have a wolf creature. A wolf creature. Like 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 the French have the loop guru, like a werewolf type creature. Not that I am aware of. We have a wampus cat, but that's more southern than it is up where right. I am. Um, a wampus right. cat, and we have deer people. We have deer people as well. Um, the deer people actually is more of an indigenous um, history, but it it's still stories that we tell. Um, right. And then the, of course, the Wendigo, but that's that's all mountainous oh. areas. Oh, that's oh, what you're talking about, Wind- the Wendigo. Yes. 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 The yes. Wendigo. He's the uh, never satisfied, never satiated. His hunger is constant and he can be actually created by 
hunger for anything, whether it be hunger for alcohol, hunger for uh, romantic love, uh, hunger for food, hunger for money. He can be created by any of those means. It's just if they let that craving take over, it gets to them and turns them crazy, I guess is the best way to say it. But that's what you're talking about, the Wendigo. Yeah, that's that's more of a native tradition. But since we're so close to them in our, you know, tradition, then we we adopt that, but not really, not really adopted. But we we believe the same things they believe because we all were raised in the same area. Right. I have heard of that term before. So is that something that and and these beings are supposed to be cannibalistic? Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Wampus cat is. uh, That's normally a female. Uh, There are three different stories when it comes to the Wampus cat. And I actually got them as uh, knowledge from another Appalachian witch on TikTok, strangely enough. She was the one who turned me on to the stories because I hadn't heard them. I had heard of a wampus cat, but it wasn't something that we heard all the time. Maybe once or right. twice at a at a Bible gathering or something, they told scary stories, and one of them was happens to be the wampus cat. But I didn't know anything any in depth about it until I heard her telling about it. And it was Appalachia, but it's Southern Appalachia, where we have right. things like we do have the deer people here because deer are. <laughs> crazy there's lots of deer here lots and lots of deer so when it comes to the deer people firstly you don't want to come in contact with them because they are cannibalistic and to see one or find one you would go into a clearing where you know deer to be and that they come to feed every single morning and you find the one deer that doesn't quite look like a deer and if it catches your scent it will raise up pop its kneecaps back and charge at you like a full stag would. And it will eat you if it catches you. <laughs> oh, that's pretty scary. <laughs> so you don't go deer hunting by yourself. Ever. Oh, wow. Oh, it, and it's really interesting as you were saying that I was getting this actually really vivid picture in my mind of this creature. Really interesting, quite lanky, quite lanky. It was the kneecaps <laughs> popping back that did it for me. Oh, my goodness. So, And the teeth. The reason that you know it's not a deer is because deer have herbivore teeth. These teeth right. are sharp. You'll right. see them. When you see that it's not a deer, you'll see that it has sharp teeth. Oh, that's really interesting. So how often... Have have you personally ever heard of anybody having an experience with a deer person? I have anyone? I have not had any experience or had anyone that in my family that has had um, encounters with deer people. Um, we have heard the wailing woman. It's the bobcat, but when she screams, she screams like a woman in peril, a damsel in distress. Okay. But that is, it's kind of like the Wampus Cat story. She is a woman who was not supposed to see some of the native indigenous ritual. And when she came to see these rituals, she had skinned a bobcat and placed it over her so that they didn't see her as a woman. They saw her as a bobcat. And when she was Mm -hmm. found out, she was cursed to wear that skin 
for the rest of her days. And because of that, she's pretty upset with mankind and she will attack on sight. Oh, so that's the wampus. That's the wampus woman, cat. Wampus cat. That's really interesting. That has shades of uh, skinwalker. It does. Mm, a lot of very a lot of our stories. It they may have different names, but a lot of them share the same traits. So right. it just means that you experience the same thing I experienced. You're just calling it something different than I am calling it. Yeah, fascinating, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? Very, very interesting. So, of course, that having like the deer people around where you are, it it would be people would be very cautious about going out. Yes, like going out at night. That might be a bit of an issue. We never went camping any time there was going to be a full moon because we didn't want to run the risk of running into anything that had its change time around the full moon because things, I mean, lunacy comes from Luna, the moon, meaning Mm. crazy. Mm. So anything Mm. that would have its time around the moon and was governed by the force of the moon, we didn't go around at that time. We didn't go camping or fishing or anything like that when it was around the full moon because of just that exact thing. We didn't want to run into anything. And my my grandfather and my uncles were uh, trappers. They used to go out and trap for uh, beavers and minks and muskrats there for their pelt back in the day. Um, and they wouldn't go out at all to do any type of trapping around the full moon for fear of running into the critters that lived in the woods and we respected them. We never ever went where we were not supposed to be as regular humans around things that lived and were always there in the woods. That's their home. You respect their time. Oh, absolutely. And of course, I suppose uh, another creature that you guys possibly have in your area is the Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, he's really everywhere, but Mm, there mm. have been sightings. There have been people that have said they've seen him. Um, I really don't think that it's so much a Bigfoot as it's just, I I don't really say a missing link, but I do believe that it is a unevolved human. I don't think that it's, or maybe he's, he's an over-evolved human. I'm not sure exactly. <laughs> I mean, it could be, very could be where we should have gone. You never know. Yeah, yeah. But there, there are schools of thoughts that they're interdimensional beings that can pop in and out of our dimension. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe 100%. Be, because there is no proof to the contrary. If you can't mm-hmm. prove mm-hmm. that it isn't, then what do you? how are you going to tell me that it's not? <laughs> right, really interesting. Look, which mama, I've really absolutely enjoyed this conversation with you, and I'm pretty sure that my listeners will find it fascinating as well. It's always wonderful to get a different cultural perspective on things. Well, I appreciate it. So enjoy. I knew it was going to be a great conversation. I just knew it. As soon as I saw you, I thought, oh, I just have to reach out to that lady and see if she'd come on. You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, eh? 
I'm, I'm glad that you did. I mean, I, I really thought I have nothing to bring this lady. I'm just a little old nobody from Kentucky. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what she's looking for, but I'll be here. I'll, I'm for it. I'm here for it. But I don't know what I get, what I have for you. Oh, uh, well, you had plenty. I, I, was, I was happy I could help. Oh, it's really, really awesome. It has been a pleasure talking to you. I hope that you have all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. In fact, while speaking with Witch Mama, what really surprised me was how much our cultures have in common, particularly being on the opposite sides of the planet. I found that incredibly interesting, especially the belief systems. Speaking of beliefs, I have found other people who talk about the beliefs and cryptids of the Appalachians and, in some cases, their experiences with them. So I've decided that next season I'm going to do an episode specifically on these creatures and what is taught about them. Hopefully I may be able to get some guests on to talk about them as well. So keep an eye out for that. And on the subjects of cryptids and legendary creatures, be sure and join us next episode when I talk with a delightful Navajo couple who live on the Navajo Reservation and their experience with a skinwalker. This will make your skin crawl. Our bumper music this episode is called Banjo Hoedown by Andy Slater. Just a little bit of high country there for you all. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands10. TikTok under Walking underscored the underscored Shadowlands. Like and follow for teasers of our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Pandora as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words, open Walking the Shadowlands, and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show, encourage them to listen and to subscribe also, the more the merrier. Thanks for listening to this episode. Kakite ano oyakoi. I'll see you again. Thanks for listening. 